Hello, welcome to this week's Industry Spotlight. This is episode eight. Um, today we're going to cover Google versus Amazon. Um, Google's impending showdown with Amazon in terms of shopping, Twitter's breaking news feature, Instagram shoppable posts, and the Facebook data breach. So there's been a couple of announcements in re recent weeks from Google that suggest that they're, um, they're trying to infiltrate Amazon's space a little bit. They're trying to create a shopping marketplace similar to Amazon, so standing on the toes a little bit. Uh, where I think this comes from is a little bit off the success of the shopping campaigns that they've had in search. And obviously they've created a bit of an environment and a bit of a following over that uh, in recent years. And I think a couple of the product announcements in recent weeks with the Google Actions suggest that they're trying to create a similar ecosystem to Amazon in, in shopping. It's interesting that Amazon are working on their ad product and Google are working on the shopping proposition. <laughs> yeah, I know. I think they've, they've got a bit of catching up to do, but I think um, based on the results that they've, they've released, it suggests that shopping ads now drive more revenue than any other ad format in Google search. So obviously that works for advertisers and that works for them as well. Yeah, they've got the um, cart functionality where you can add multiple items from different retailers as well, haven't they? Yeah. So that's Has that launched yet? I think so. Or it's, it's gradual. The shopping actions has launched in the US, but it's yet to come to other markets. That's interesting, though, because that's a leg up on Amazon, really, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, massively. I think, um, yeah, with the universal cart that they've tried creating as well, it is massively does, direct uh, competition with, with Amazon, isn't how it? How does the fulfillment work with that, then? So if you got a it's, a... it's a Google server checkout, from what I understand. I think what, they, you get your packages from each different retailer separate? I think so, but I think the overarching goal uh, that they're trying to aim for is doing their own fulfillment yep. and their own logistics in the same fashion that Amazon do. So eventually, I'll imagine once they've developed the full logistics in the end-to-end -end that Amazon offer at the minute, I think the, that's the overall goal, I think, with this. Cool. They're just trying to imitate the same thing. I mean, why wouldn't you? They've got the full um, marketplace down, haven't they, when it comes to retail of Amazon, so why wouldn't you want to leverage that and Just I think the new um, Google Actions which has been announced as well which works in a similar way to what Amazon does with the uh, basically it's, it's a cost per sale uh, model for advertisers and manufacturers so uh, essentially you won't have to spend too much money on getting your products to market like you do have to now as an advertiser on Google uh, Google will naturally promote uh, manufacturers who do a good job of fulfillment and things like that so that'll mean that that's organic reach um, on a cost per sale basis for anybody that uh, participates in the program if google can execute this well they've already got the infrastructure for things like reviews they've got the if they can do the fulfillment and the things that amazon do really well because they've got such a comprehensive ad product i think they could win yeah i believe so i think the only thing that amazon have got above them is obviously the history They've got the audience, haven't they? They've got the full end-to-end -end logistics that Google haven't got that are in development, I think. But it's going to take a, a while to get that following and confidence from manufacturers as well. But I think that they're, they're pretty much just trying to you know, create the same, same model out there, essentially off the back of the success that they've had. And the universal car will just make it easier, but they'll have to do a hell of a lot of advertising, I think, to get that out there and get people to... I don't know whether they're expecting people to shift from Amazon to Google or just have both competing in that space. It'd be interesting how manufacturers and, obviously, suppliers uh, decide on the platform. 
I guess it's who, who's going to offer the most competitive rates, who's going to give them the best organic reach for the products. Mm. For a period of time, it might be invitation only, I would have thought, uh, on programs like that. And I, who knows how their algorithm in prioritizing um, you know, manufacturers and suppliers will be in contrast to Amazon. It'd be interesting to see how that, how that works out and whether, whether it'll actually be profitable for uh, suppliers. I don't know. Okay, so the next thing we're going to look at is um, Twitter testing news to be the first thing that a user sees in the timeline. Um, it's an interesting move and I think um, potentially something that has been triggered by Facebook releasing their breaking news or testing their breaking news feature. Um, the article that we're looking at on Digital Trends suspects that it's a sports-focused rollout initially, um, which would make sense given the fact that Twitter have partnered with people historically like uh, the NFL and things like that. Um, I think this kind of lends itself to Twitter's natural makeup being a breaking news sort of style site with trending hashtags and things like that. Um, so I don't think it's anything particularly new. Um, yeah, I think it probably um, connects with the whole clearing the you know, having a tidy up of the publishers that everybody's, all the big brands have been getting on social media publishers for about, I think they're just trying to probably tidy the landscape up a little bit mm. and make sure that they've, they've got a voice in that. Because you've not really heard much about Twitter, have you really, in all this? They've not really mm. been um, talked about negatively in any way. It might just be their response or them trying to, you know, let people know that they are focusing on relevance as well and stuff that's newsworthy. Yeah, it seems like all the social networks have got some sort of play on this same thing now. You know, a human-created news section. Snapchat have got the news bit, and then yeah, Facebook have got it, and yeah, it seems logical that Twitter would have it too. Yeah, it's what um, people want to see, isn't it, really? I think that it is a good step towards giving people relevant news, you know, as, as they're waking up, getting the breaking news. I think it's that transition, isn't it, as well, from people who would naturally fire up the news app on, yeah. the, on the phone. Why, why bother when you can get a bit of you know social content from your peers combined with news as well if it's all in yeah. one place then you no need to really go to a news website news apps aren't that popular anymore are they? they used to be years ago it seems like yeah no one bothers anymore they just rely on social so if you can get some credible sources in there and they're not just your mates spouting stuff then yeah yeah but why not get a combination of the two if you can on exactly one, one platform yep uh, the next thing we're going to cover is Instagram expanding their shoppable organic posts. Um, they've rolled it out across eight more countries, including the UK, France, Italy, Germany, Australia, Brazil, Canada, Spain. <laughs> um, so we've seen this floating about. It's not uh, relatively new. The rollout suggests that it is becoming quite successful. I think um, it's probably a good move. I think there's a risk of um, them potentially pissing people off um, and losing some attention, but it's a way of monetizing the platform. It's it's kind of what social networks are all looking for. Um, it's also in sticking with Instagram's sort of unwritten rule of just not allowing links in posts, isn't it? It's just another way to essentially allow links in posts and yeah. actually putting text links on there. So it keeps, it keeps the interface clean and means you can't misclick onto dodgy links in posts and stuff like that, but also means that it's contextually relevant and yeah, if you, for, shop, for fashion shopping and stuff like that, yeah. it's perfect, isn't it? I think it does a good job of maintaining what Instagram was built to be. Yeah, yeah. Like you say, it's, it's tidy, it's not, it's not too um, 
intrusive. It's not got dirty links left, right and centre. It's quite native experience in it, which is good. Mm -hmm. So I think they've done well to stay true to what they what they created in the first instance. I'd love to see if there's any um, validation or anything on this. I mean, these links could go anywhere, right? Is there any validation to stop it going anywhere? Or? The only ones that I've seen in the wild are people like in the in the style that are verified publishers. Oh, you've got to be verified? Within the within the I can't just post and put a link to the product. I don't believe so. Right. Um, but using in the style as an example, based on the fact that it's been, it's one of the only ones that I've seen, I think this is going to increase the value of influencers tenfold. It's an, inf it's an influencer-led platform. It always has been. Brands have been partnering with influencers on Instagram for a long, long time. I think this legitimizes them now monetizing the posts. Mm. Um, so this is an interesting time for influencers, especially with it being Instagram that's made this sort of leap. I think this is something that will probably ripple throughout Snapchat, maybe Facebook. Um, I think it's a, it's a really strong move. Do you think it's going to improve like tracking and measurability for so like on a product level yeah. as well? So if, a, if an influencer or a brand is pushing something out, you can then attribute exact sales to that post mm. and the, the products that they've also yeah, could that, add like a UTM product yeah. on the link so that, on it. Yeah, link it directly to the product page and then you've got your revenue attributed to that exact yep. product in, that's in the post. Imagine influencers though charging 10 grand a post and then it generating 100 grand's worth of sales they'll be like yeah well they can just charge yeah, nothing we, and we then charge that. commission now based for this if you can put well, UTMs on it there's loads different of models. models yeah if you get a Kendall Jenner or a Kim Kardashian though it's just going to be like right give us a couple of million for a post and we'll prove to you how much money we can make it'd be interesting mm -hmm. to see what happens if the like you say like how the models will change the, yeah. the pricing models and stuff whether influencers will try and negotiate in like a, a revenue Per model or something like that, it might inspire them to um, try different stuff as well in the post as well. If they're trying to promote uh, an item that's maybe higher value or something like that, it might mix mm. it up completely and might find them doing different creative stuff to sell those particular products harder. You don't know. I'd like to see a video use the same functionality. So, for example, a catwalk model walking down a runway with the outfit on, and each item being having a clickable link somehow. You could do that on YouTube, couldn't you, until recently? You could, couldn't you annotate stuff with links wherever you want in the video? I think so, but it might not be. Yeah, I think, I think you could do, couldn't you? Or was it just a, a link? It, it obviously didn't indicate what specific product you're advertising, I don't think. It's, I'm not sure. They've changed the rules recently. The way in which the Instagram ones work, though, it's like you can click on the specific product within the image. Yeah, it's yeah. tagged like a person. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas on the YouTube, you just could just have one annotation at the bottom, couldn't you? Think. I'm not sure, but yeah. Anyway, good move. Yeah, good, <laughs> good effort. We like it. Well played. <laughs> so this last bit is probably one of the most widely covered pieces in tech over the last couple of weeks. It's to do with uh, Facebook uh, data scandal with Cambridge Analytica. Um, so Zuckerberg's finally responded now. Um, we got someone to ask the comments in the UK that will happen, but yeah, that happened. And he took out like loads of it took out in paper, hasn't he? Apologising. His, yeah. his quote is: "We have a responsibility to protect your data, and if we can, then we don't deserve to serve you." I've been working to understand exactly what happened and how to make sure this does not happen again. 
yeah, generic. Yeah, to be fair, it sounds like he's going to put loads of new policies in place. I mean, the cycles on market in London we've been reading, and uh, he's promised loads of new policies. And uh, if he gets them all put in there, and I mean, can't really do much else. He's uh, said he's going to ban people that misusing the platform and gathering data where they shouldn't be. So, on a technical level, what are the restrictions exactly that is is planning to impose? Stop apps, obviously. So one of these the state. is basically saying that if you sign up to an app um, that asks for permissions to do something and it's going to do something with your friends, they've also have got to have given consent to that app as well. Right. Okay. Um, which it, is quite a giant leap forward because that's going to basically just rule everyone out, isn't it? I mean, well, why aren't they much. taking that step in the first place? Because they made 12 billion over the last mm-hmm. 10 years from people using this data. Right. Yeah, and it says they're going to get um, developers to sign, actually sign a contract, doesn't it, something somewhere in Yeah, the three points that are highlighted on the new restrictions are developers yeah. will lose access to other data if users haven't used the app in three months. The data an app can get when a user signs in is going to be limited to name, profile, and email, so still pretty accessible. Developers will have to get approval and also sign a contract with Facebook in order to ask for users to their post or private data. Right. So it's basically just tightening everything up and just putting a bit more restrictions on what data they're going to allow third parties to see. Is it, yep. is it innocent? Is it as innocent as it comes across, do you think? Well, or, I think people uh, are overshooting over it a little bit. It's, it's naive to think that a company that has so much data and has an ad platform on the back end, which drives most of their revenue, is not going to use that data to their financial advantage. Yeah, I think, I think it's a bit naive. I think most but they didn't actually know, use it to the financial advantage in this case. No, but it wouldn't have, Cambridge Analytica wouldn't have had access if Facebook didn't have it. No. But yeah. indirectly. Yeah, they've still profited off that data going to Cambridge Analytica. Surely most people are aware by now though that, you know, social media platforms and anything that pretty much interacts with work who stores your data online now will be shared or sold off or something. You've got to be pretty naive to think that that doesn't happen. I don't understand that though. I mean, there's a new thing that came out the other day that a few other tech publications picked up on today whereby if someone downloaded the zip of all the Facebook data, you know, you can do that now. You can part of the new privacy rules. You can basically give me a zip of everything and it gives you literally everything. All right. Someone went through there and found like a call log uh, for all these calls between a certain couple of dates and all these texts between a certain couple of dates, even though he'd never give consent for Facebook to look at his calls or really? texts. So there's like other things that, you know... Stuff like that needs tightening up. Yeah. <laughs> I think for marketing purposes, the data that they're using is probably okay. But yeah, when, they, when you get down to the nitty-gritty, the stuff that they're recording gets a little bit dark. Yeah, yeah they've denied that, that one. Um, but this, this guy, that, I mean, it's only on Twitter or something. I mean, it's been covered by a few publications. He swears that he never agreed to it and never, uh, you know, let, let Messenger do his text. So he didn't always have that separate and stuff. So really, it should, should never happen, should it? But I think on the wide, wider conversation about data sharing and stuff, though, I think people get the backs up a little bit too easily about data and how it's used with Facebook. I mean, even from an advertising standpoint, I think people think once they're, when they're being targeted by ads that are all of a sudden uh, relevant to them, they get suspicious mm. and they don't like it. But if you to actually see the, uh, the targeting seg- segments that you've got access to through Facebook's platform, it's all anonymous. You don't get any personal details or anything like that. It's just you're choosing from targeting segments where somebody's demonstrated some sort of interest in, you know, contextually or interacting with something that um, suggests that they're into something. 
I think people take it too far and think that you've got, you're choosing through, you know, you're looking at their email and the phone number when you, you're building out your targeting and stuff and it's completely anonymized. It's the same with when Gmail first started putting ads at the side and people were saying, oh, they're reading my emails. It's like, well, they're not really, are they? They're just keywords come up and then the target ads against those keywords. Yeah. So it's, the publisher doesn't know what the contents of your emails are. They ad publishers. It's just, that's just how the algorithm works. Yeah. What annoys me is people want the cake and they want to, they want to tweet it as, as well. It's like you, you put your email address in to a website, for example, into a form because you want a free something discount piece of content, something for nothing. But mm. then when that data is used to ultimately make an ad experience better, people hate it. It's like, don't put your, don't be so naive as to, to give your details away and give consent and then complain about it when it's used yeah. in a way. Yeah. Thing is, it's, it's normally used in a really useful way yeah. as well. People are giving the content that they're clearly interested in the browsing. So it's, it's, a, it's a good experience for everybody. Nobody's trying to pull the wool over consumers' eyes. I think they're just, it's a lot, there's a lot of scaremongering that goes on in the industry. And I think people, probably exaggerate how data is used and everything but if you were to see it from an advertiser's standpoint you know using that data is completely protected secured and anonymized in ways that obviously the general public don't really understand it's just that a few needs to be emphasized more the few bad people just tire for everyone else don't they like when people get all the records stolen out of AWS, which we've talked about, and it's got driver's license, photocopies and stuff. It's like people get the backs up then, don't they? And just think that, yeah. you know, this is it. And I know you mentioned specifically free services like Gmail and Facebook and saying, you know, people need to understand that if they're giving you details to these free services, they've got to monetize it. But mm -hmm. then there's paid services where they, they'll set, they'll literally have sold the data on or they'll leaked it. Yeah. So people just get the backs up, don't they? They know that worst case scenario, these, these things that are ridiculously bad do happen still, so. People just sort of tire of my same brush, don't they, a little bit in that respect. Yeah. It rocks the industry a little bit, though, because you get these anomalies that come out where, you know, accidents, we've never been here before, have we, really, in tech and, and advertising, the way data's shared. It's, it's new territory for everybody, so we're learning as we're going. And every now and again, there's a little hiccup like this that occurs. But then it rocks the, the industry and there's things like, mm. obviously, people start putting more emphasis and education into GDPR and things like that. And, it, and then it rocks the whole industry again. I mean, is it going to get to a point where people don't want to share data at all? And then there's, you know, it's killing an industry off if what do digital marketers do if there's no data to harness to... But like you've just said, it's, it's anonymised, isn't it? I don't think that it'll ever become a completely dead targeting set because people have got so much of an issue with you having their data. What people need to understand, as you correctly highlighted, is the fact that it's un it's anonymous. Yeah, I know, but what I'm saying is when people, when things, news um, pieces come out like this that scare people, people start thinking, oh, I'm not going to use Facebook anymore. Yeah. And then can you imagine if that, you know, that builds a bit of momentum and then everybody stops using it? And you know, it's the the marketing, digital marketing's taken a bit of a dive generally there. And what mm. happens? What happens then? You're, you're in a, it's I think a bit of a spiral, isn't it? People are always quick to criticise Facebook and s slur about what they're doing and give them a hard time because they're the biggest out there. It's like when WordPress gets a bad name for being insecure. It's just Microsoft Windows used to be. Getting hacked and virus, getting virus dispute every five minutes. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the white, most widely platform. used platform, probably arguably online. It's gonna get 
people criticising it, and I think people just need to just take a take a little bit of a step back and focus on something a bit more important. It's yeah. Still bad though. <laughs> yeah, it's still bad. But I think for everybody that criticises it and every article that comes out like this, you know, slating it, I think there has to be a counter argument that puts it into context a little bit and says, you know, it's not a catastrophe. You know, it's not it's not the end of the world, and this is how it works. And yeah, you are still secure. The yeah. people just need reminding and reassurance that they are more secure than I think they think they are. Yeah, worse things have happened. Yeah, <laughs> true. Thanks for watching. That's been episode eight of Industry Spotlight. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the topics. If you've got any ideas for future topics, let us know in the comments uh, or on social at Fondigil, and we'll uh, get around some. Look at the blackboard. We've got a blackboard. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll get around some. All right, cheers. Bye.